Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Clam. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Gatekeeper. I am the gatekeeper, and maybe you're a gatekeeper too, or maybe you know gatekeepers or need to get through gatekeepers. Maybe you own a gate. Maybe you saw the movie, The Gate, which came out in the 80s. It was kind of a horror movie, I believe. I believe it was took place in a suburban home, and there was a family, and there was a gate that led to, you know, devilish stuff. And this kid gets wrapped up in it. Anyway, check it out on VHS and Betamax. Welcome to Gatekeeper. Excited to have you. This is going to be a great episode. If you like episodes of things, I think you'll at least recognize that this is, in fact, an episode. It's also an episode. I think the, the current Star Wars films are going by episodic titles. So check that out on VHS and Betamax. By the way, I grew up in a Betamax family myself. Fun fact, um, which at the time it seemed like it was the lesser of the, you know, movie, home movie formats. But I learned later in life it was actually my dad shelled out a little bit extra because it was the better premium uh, way of viewing movies. But there were the beta sections at the local video stores were just not as big as the VHS, which caught on in spite of its lackluster picture quality. So there's some stuff I bet you didn't think you were going to be hearing when you tuned into this, uh, nor did I think I would be spewing. Okay. My guest today is Ramon Rivas, who just recorded his Comedy Central half hour special. Uh, He was just a guest on uh, the Chris Hardwick hosted show at midnight on Comedy Central. And he founded and runs Cleveland's Accidental Comedy Festival, all amazing accomplishments and all he's done without having representation, not a manager or an agent, just him representing himself. And how has he done that? Well, we're going to find out how he has eschewed traditional means of getting things that many people aspire to get in the comedy world. I believe it or not, am not reading from a piece of paper, but have just organically shot into this uh, cadence. Speaking of cadence, uh, cadence, if you're listening, um, I had a lovely time with you on Friday night. Um, I wish you would uh, return my calls. I'm pretty sure that you thought it was as much fun as I did, and (laughs) I haven't felt that way about someone or something, whatever you want to call it is that you are, um, in a long time. And it's the time we spent, I just wish you would um, you know, call back or, or text back or whatever a robot like you is programmed to do. Um, because I, I see a future. <laughs> I see something that's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. And I, I've already told my grandma and, and mom about you and they're hoping that you can be programmed to be Jewish. Uh, but even if you're not, you know what, I'm willing to explore whatever religious, uh, or spiritual quests that you are currently on. Cause that's that's what life is. It it's a journey. It's a, it's a struggle, man. It's like we're on this road and we don't want to do it alone. You know, you want to 
you want a partner in crime, you know, someone that, that knows you and knows your faults and knows that some of them, you know, take time to go away. Some of them are pretty uh, blatant and uh, uh, inescapable, but they love you for it even more probably, right? And that's why I need you in my life. That's why I see you. I see you as my future robot wife. Uh, okay, okay, turn. Andrew, you can turn it off. That was, turn off the music now. <clears throat> uh, just a reminder out there that uh, I am the booker of the Hollywood Improv Comedy Club. I book comedians, I vet comedy. Uh, I'm the gatekeeper and you're not. So if you're questioning whether it's funny, well, you're wrong. It is funny. And I know I'm a gatekeeper. Uh, unless, of course, you are one of the one of the gatekeepers that does listen to this podcast, in which case I'm available for any opportunities that you have. And I'm willing to work on my set a little bit. <laughs> I think that that robot girlfriend thing, um, you know, it's a little rough around the edges, but uh, we can work through that and make it perfect for whatever format, show, or project that you have working right now. And just like uh, today's guest, Ramon Rebus, I do not have representation currently. I have a lot of options on the table, of course, but, um, you know, I'm just going to wait to see how things pan out before I, you know, sign on the dotted line. So you can just hit me up directly. Uh, Andrew, I see what you're doing here, buddy. Got the music playing again, trying to make a parallel between courting love and courting uh, representation. Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> Everybody loves to make fun of the gatekeeper uh, who can't seem to figure out his own life, right? Poor, poor gatekeeper. He opens all the gates for others, but when will he learn to open the gate for himself? Ooh. Oh, no. Stop. Gatekeeper. Welcome to Gatekeeper. My name is Jamie Flam. I am joined today, very excited to have him in town, Mr. Ramon Rivas II. Welcome to Gatekeeper. Hello, thanks for having me, man. It's a sincere pleasure. Thanks. I mean, this is a small window that you're here in LA. Yeah, I got here at the beginning of the month. Uh, I came out here after I taped, uh, I got a Comedy Central half hour special. For this. Congrats. Thank you. Which is real crazy because like I, I'm wrapped and live in Cleveland with my dad. So like to have gotten that opportunity is crazy and then i don't have anything to do until uh my comedy festival accidental comedy fest at the end of august so i was just like all right i'll just go to la and chill for a little bit you just got all the the hot button things out in the first that's good we, have, we know what we want to talk about i want to talk about this festival and you just said it unrepped living with your dad in cleveland mm -hmm. and you're doing a, a 30 minute comedy central special yeah also known as the half hour the half hour yeah <laughs> used to be comedy central presents way back in the day so that's got to be surreal, and and it's part of the reason I'm excited to have you on this podcast is to help give some inspiration to other listeners. Like, you don't have to have, a, you know, a Hollywood agent and manager. It certainly helps, but mm -hmm. um, you found a way around it. Like, what was the path to getting it? Uh, well, I actually I got the offer to do the half hour on my eight year anniversary of starting comedy. Uh, so I started back in Cleveland, and there was it's not a terrible comedy scene it's actually really good there's like a an improv there there's a club called hilarities which is beautiful um but when i started those existed and, but there was nothing nowhere to practice there was one weekly comedy open mic so i started going to that and i would go to that all the time i started doing music poetry open mics whatever what, what was so 
as a kid, what were you into that got you into pursuing comedy as a career? Um, as a kid, I was always really funny. Like I always leaned on humor to fit in because I wasn't athletic. I wasn't, I was smart, but lazy. Um, <laughs> so I would like just busting people's balls and shit is like kind of just how I fit in. And I was class clown in high school. I'd sell candy. I have a briefcase, like weird. What kind of candy are we talking about? Uh, like full size candy bars. Like I'd go to Costco or Sam's club and like stock up and like very industrious. Yeah. I'd yeah. sell Capri Suns for like a dollar 50. You That's know, a I would huge markup. I would mark it up and then I'd be like, Hey, go get a, get a hall pass and go get something from the vending machine. Did you not give them a straw and tell them it was an extra 50 cents for that? I didn't go that far, but that would have been a, that's a good supply. Well, and comedy doesn't work out. I got, I'll go back to the candy game. game. <laughs> uh, but like I, I went to, tried to go to school and like never knew what I wanted to do. So like I was going to do sociology, which is study like people and culture, but it's like, you don't get real, make any money doing that. So I'd wind up like dropping out. And then I was working kind of just aimless jobs and I landed at like this law firm. I was a, a mail clerk. So I'd make copies, open the mail, shit like that. And I saw an ad for a comedy class at the community college in Cleveland. And I signed up and I'm like, oh, cool. I'll meet other people doing comedy, like kind of see where it's at. And then like I was the youngest person in the class by like 20 years and they were the youngest by another 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it was like a bucket list <laughs> thing for everyone else. But it gave me like a first performance and other places I could do it. Sure. One of which was that chuckle fuck open mic, uh, which is that's I, I inherited like I started co-hosting that show, which was the only open mic. And then uh, I spent a summer of 2010. I took a job in Chicago uh, with, I had free room and board and every night off. So I was just doing shows like Chicago is an amazing comedy city. There's eight clubs. There's all these indie shows. So I was just like, Oh shit, this is dope. But I saw comedy happening in like clubs and the back room of sex shops and coffee shops and mm-hmm. the rock venues and all this weird shit. So I was like, Oh, okay. And I couldn't find a regular job there. I moved back to Cleveland and like, just like flopped at my sister's house for a year and a half with like no car, no job. Um, but started using the chuckle fuck name to produce other shows around town. So I'm like, well, nothing's keeping there from being a vibrant comedy scene here in Cleveland, except there being shows. So I started running a bunch of shows and then like the first, and then that also helped me perform more because I wasn't funny enough to work at the clubs quite yet. Mm -hmm. So that gave me more performances. Um, and then like in 2000, the beginning of 2011, I found a little venue that's like 50 to hundred person, kind of the same size as the lab, just like real small, easy to fill. You can, it feels full with 30 or with a hundred, you can cram them in there. And I started, I produced a show for comedian. You should know when they released their debut album, they came and toured through Cleveland. And then, um, I reached out to Hannibal Burris who I'd met and was like, Hey, I have this little room in Cleveland. You don't have an Ohio date for his, like his first CD. I was like, you don't have an Ohio date. I was like, if I, I'm a big fan, anything I can do. So I set up a show for him. And then I did the same thing with Nikki Glazer. And then Neil Brennan tweeted, he was looking for somewhere to perform in North America before just for laughs. So I booked that. So like all of a sudden I started like booking people who like neither of the clubs was booking for whatever reason. Right. But in 2011, I had Hannibal, Nikki Glazer, Neil Brennan, uh, Amy Schumer, Trevor Noah, Rory Scovel, Al Jackson, then just like a whole bunch of other people who I'm just fans of that are not. And would you open up for them? I would open up for them. I would uh, put one or two other comics doing like five to eight minutes. I would, the way I would set it up is like the opening part of the show is 25, 30 minutes. So I could have just do that all myself, but I would like to put other comics on. Mm-hmm. So I'd put 
I do like five ten, and then put these one to three other comics, and then the headliner, um, and then just did that, and then like move that open mic that used to be at a coffee shop to that venue because they were giving me two dollars a head for people who came. Mm-hmm. So now instead of getting free coffee and beer, I'm getting paid. So like yeah. I'm still not making a ton of money with comedy, but once a week I'm making it's it's a it's a green instead of a red. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and then just kind of kept doing that. And then just slowly, like I started producing a comedy stage at a music festival. And that's kind of how Accidental Comedy Fest came into fruition. Because the second year I was doing that, I randomly had Kyle Kinane and Neil Hamburger booked leading up to that weekend. So it's like, oh, if I make some other shit fall in between, that's accidentally a comedy festival. Ah. And that's how the name came about. Um, and then just kind of just been doing that so i've like worked with a lot of cool people through my shows and my productions but then i also got to the point where i was funny enough to work at the club so like at hilarities i went from like hosting all the time and like poaching great weekends with people who i actually wanted to learn from Mm -hmm. and then moved up to featuring and like i got to headline right before i left town and do an hour on the stage that like i used to struggle to do guest sets on so like that was a cool fruition moment well that's an amazing story and i mean i mean it's another theme of this podcast that comes up but it's um you're helping out these other comics and i get that all the time like comics they're like i just was just in austin i was just in cleveland you got to check out this guy or girl Mm -hmm. um and that's how we catch wind you know on the coasts yeah um of up-and-coming talent so you're being cool as fuck i guess yeah and then i also started like you know i i live in cleveland because it's mad like it's crazy affordable like i live with my dad now so i don't pay any rent but I lived in in Cleveland proper for two years. I had a roommate and our rent was five fifty for a two bedroom with a basement and washer and dryer. So it's just like you can afford to actually like have a life and like live and then like have a pet and like also pursue comedy. That is crazy. Five fifty in LA will get you nothing. Nothing. It'll get you scammed. My buddy, my buddy Yusuf Ali just moved out here Tuesday from Cleveland and the girl who's supposed to stay with flaked on him. So he's looking for somewhere and then he just deposited money to some lady he'd never met before. I'm like, you just got, you just got scammed. Yeah. But it is the scam capital of the, the world. So folks, if you're listening, you want to get scammed, 550 bucks gets you in the game. Gets you in the game. Um, but yeah, but like, it's definitely been, it's weird because like doing the things the way I've done them is kind of set Cleveland up to be like, kind of like a hub for comedy. Like I'm not there anymore, but like, I formed accidental comedy a year ago and it's the way I phrase it is it's a collective of comics dedicated to enriching the arts in Cleveland through comedy and other productions. Just sounds like something eventually, hopefully people give money to like grant wise. Um, (laughs) So if you caught wind of any of that, um, and we all got free free burgers, man. Free in and out. (laughs) What's, is there anything that compares in, Cleveland um burger wise by the yeah. way I don't think in and out like the be all yeah no it's 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 okay it's it, over in and out's more like blown overblown than anything else but it's good like That's it's fine. good in comparison to like fast food for, for sure um but Cleveland's got a great food scene like there's a place called Whitey's that's out in Richfield that's like really good burgers um I, I like, noticed that that you're big on sandwiches I'm a huge sandwich like person. legit sandwich guy yeah talk to me like fuck the comedy shit like this is where it gets real uh well my favorite sandwich in cleveland right now is this place called gabe's deli which has like real they do everything their own it's pretty dope 
I like this Vietnamese place called Superior Pho has like a grilled pork banh mi, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, and then I also like we have this open air market called the West Side Market that's like just a bunch of f- fruit and vegetable stands and meat stands, whatever. So I'll go there and get the makings to make like the perfect custom sandwich. It's just like toasted pretzel bread <laughs> with like mayo on one bun and uh, sriracha on the other. Like roast beef, turkey, hot soap rosetta, provolone, spinach. That is no joke. Boom. That's you make that on your own. Yeah, I do that on my own. It's a custom job. But like, you know, like I do a show on the roof of the Cleveland Hostel, and it's like a potluck. So like, I'll make like three sandwiches for with like. There's a a really good uh, market in Cleveland or in Lorraine called Fligner. So I'll go. They bake the bread fresh. So I'll go in the morning, get the bread, get the lunch meat, and just kind of make it. And, put them out and people people fuck with them that is the game changer shit yeah man like talk about undeniability like if i went to a a mic or a show and was given a sandwich like you just described yeah hell yeah i'm giving you a 30 minute yeah man it's community building. <laughs> like it's it's definitely been interesting like you know i run the show like you said i run the show so i could perform more but like weirdly over time like a community's developed to like i've seen people start dating and like get married that have come to shows i've seen like those weird loner people who come and then like they make their own little network of friends. And like, it's definitely cool to like see what flourishes if you just kind of do something. Yeah. That's the most rewarding part about, you know, watching the lab um, now for the second time, but you know, you open a space and you see organically people coming together. Yeah. The most exciting part is not just booking the shows, but when I get hit up like two people that didn't know each other being like, we actually want to pitch a show together. Mm hmm. That didn't know each other existed. Yeah. That shit's super cool. Would you say there's any gatekeepers in the sandwich world? Ooh. Um, there's not gatekeepers, there's tastemakers in the sandwich world, <laughs> I would say. Um like let's see. Like Oscar Meyer. Where where does he fit in as far as a gatekeeper? He's not a gatekeeper, but like that's kind of a generic like like mass appeal, like Subway. Mm-hmm. That's not a gatekeeper. Like that's not like the best sandwiches aren't at Subway, but like, you know, if you need a sandwich quick, there's probably a hundred Subways near you. Right. You know, um, that doesn't mean they're good. That doesn't mean they're quality. Where like, I like like a, like a smaller chain, like Jersey Mike's. Is there Jersey Mike's? Out I've here? seen them around. Yeah. They're so good. Really? I got hooked on those and like by my college, there was one of those and it's still a chain, but it's just like a weird little chain that just like has like, slightly better ingredients than subway which i'd give them the benefit real quick let me jump in here jersey mike's or jimmy john's what's your stance on that uh jersey mike's jimmy john's is it's just not there for me the bread's just eh. see i love their bread yeah i don't know it's good it's a decent it's better than subway i'll go with jimmy john's over subway but like i wouldn't i i, I, don't, I don't really fuck with subway where, where are we guys in the the togos and quiznos game mm. Quiznos has good. No, no, no. They have, they don't got much. They're, They're overpriced. I'd rather just go to Subway. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, if you're going to pay that much money for a sandwich, just go to like a little shop that's like just open. In LA, have you been to Fat Sal's? I have been to Fat Sal's. Well, how does that? That's pretty good. I had it last, I had it when like they first opened before they got like real popular. And then, like, my buddy who lives by there now says it's, like, it doesn't match up to the experience, which happened in Cleveland. There's a place called Melt, which, like, they used to just have one location and be, like, an hour wait. And then you'd sit down and take, like, an hour for your food to get there to get, like, a what by that time was, like, a kind of a cold grilled cheese sandwich. 
And it's like, ah, oh, it's not really matching up to the yeah. experience. But now it's like a chain. Like there's like six of them. So they're like way thinned out now. So it's like a little better. But then my last question, and I love sandwiches. For all those gatekeeper fans that were wondering, I love sandwiches, but I don't eat them so much. I've been trying to. Mm. I live in LA. You got to keep you the carbs. The rap to a minimum. game, yeah. Um, I do love a good rap. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's all about the bread on Melrose. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? No, I've never been. It's down the street. You already got an in and out burger for today, so you probably won't okay. want it. But it's all about the bread, Melrose and La Brea, right okay. around the corner from Pink's Hot Dogs. Okay. Try it. All right. Really is dynamite. Andrew, right. anything? Give it a thumbs up. Proof. He gave a thumbs sorry, up. Sorry, I love the, sandwiches too. So sorry vigorous. for interjecting. <laughs> well, I, this became a sandwich cast. Real quick, what, what, a, Andrew? Just to, to keep on theme, what, what would you say to the top two or three in, in LA? I mean, all about the bread. Definitely, I would say that. Um, but I, I, I find myself more often than not going to Jimmy John's just because they're they're nearby. So and they're they're quick and they're cheap. Yeah, but uh, which is a good combo for sandwiches. But yeah. I like making my own. More often than not, and I I go with the bagel as the bread. Mm, that's a good move. I, there's no toaster where I'm at, so got to got to work got to work with what you got. So we've covered sandwiches. <laughs> we've covered uh, your path to getting a comedy central special. What um? So now you said you're getting some meetings, and so yeah. how long did it take from the point of getting the special <clears throat> to? Um. Well, it's a bit like getting the special was a weird. It was like no one thing. Cause like I'd been going to Chicago since 2009. I've been going to New York since 2011 and I've been coming to LA since 2014. So like just kind of bouncing out, no reason to go to any of those places ever, but just kind of like going. And then like slowly in Chicago got to the point where I was like working at the clubs when I'd go. So I'm past at the laugh factory there. I work it up when they were still doing stand up, And then JB Winkin, who used to book that invited me to do, a breakout comedy festival last year, which is like NBC and second city put on it's just for Brown people, which was whatever. Uh, but I got to meet uh, an executive from comedy central's LA office and from New York. And the New York lady was like, Oh, well let us know when you're in town. We'll have you come in. And I was like, oh, I'll be there next week. Just cause random trip I was going. And then when I went into a, that was my first like big meeting. So I go in there and there's like six executives, which is kind of intimidating. But they'd all already seen me do comedy in years past because when I'd go, I'd open up like, hey, Kurt Brownell, or I, you know, can I get tickets to your show to watch, maybe do a set? Same thing with Kyle Kinane. And then since I became friends with them and buddies, like, okay, you could do five. It's not a big deal. Um, and like I'd made, I'd met managers and agents since like 2012, but like they're like, so when are you moving to New York or LA? And then they're like, okay, well, let us know when you move because like that's just, Thing, you can do anything from anywhere now, but things are done right. in New York and L.A. <clears throat> um, so it's just been a lot of that. And then, like, usually when I say I'm from Cleveland, like, the little visors drop down and then they look for someone else to talk to. <laughs> um, well, do you think that uh, the, the Cleveland game has changed since uh, the uh, Cavaliers just brought I, home the championship? I mean, I definitely feel like even within Cleveland, there's just been this weird just pride movement. Um, and it's always been one of the most passionate places and it's usually just for sports, but like now it's starting to bleed over into other things, but I definitely think there's been, I mean, even if you just look at the sports, they, from when LeBron said, announced he was coming back slightly before that the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. So like every day on sports 
radio or sports TV, they were talking about Cleveland mm-hmm. for the last three years. And then we just won the championship. And then you saw the, you know, 1.3 million people came out downtown, which is more than the population of the city. Uh, and like the night they won the finals, it was, they were in Golden State, but like the bars in Cleveland wanted to stay open late and they ran out of booze because people were just super happy. So like, I'm hoping to like tap into that support structure, but for the arts, sure. you know what I'm saying? Like be as proud of this as you are of that. I think it probably will open. Hopefully. I mean, on my, I, I had my friend custom make me a hand screen and screen printed shirt. This is Cleveland made me for my special. So like, that's what I have on when I'm there. And I, I kind of feel like, uh, I soaked up all the Cleveland mojo for my special and that's why they lost game one and two, uh, <laughs> because I did that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been like no one thing to get the special, but like, I flew my mom, dad, sister, and her three kids down, and I don't have managers reps. So like, I, that was just that's just who was there for me, and I had some other family members and friends come down. But like everyone else, it was like one or two family members, like a mom, dad, maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, and then like their their managers or agents or reps. So like, no one's down there scouting, but like everyone who was there watching the clients, so a lot of them watched me and were like, "Oh, you're really funny." So like, I've had meetings based off of that when I came out here. Um, and then just kind of like feeling different people's vibes out and seeing what the, cause I don't, I don't know who's who and what's what. Cause like I just do shows in Cleveland. So like yeah. I don't, now it takes time to kind of figure out the landscape of it all. But I've also been dealing with managers and agents since like they started emailing me to book their clients and when they were routing through the area. So that's like, very interesting. Um, tangent we can take is that you're on, you are both sides. You're, you are the gatekeeper as a booker. Mm-hmm. Has that been more challenging do you think it's it's clearly opened more doors but do you, does it put you in a weird light as a, a comic it, it does put me in a weird position sometimes um like they're like i met someone i forget who it was but they're giving me their email and i started putting it in and an email came up and i was like oh is this you and they're like no that's my old that's that's like when they were an assistant somewhere and now they're somewhere else as a as an agent and i'm like oh okay and then like i did have someone say Ramon Rivas, he's a talent buyer. He's not a comic. And it's just like that. I mean, that's just what they kind of saw me as. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I produce stuff so that I could perform more and then I'm good at producing stuff. Like I like bringing people together. I like curating a show. Like I like putting people in a position to do well or putting people in a position to like step up. Like maybe you're not ready for it, but like, if the show's strong enough around you, hopefully you'll rise up to the occasion and like knock it out. I like doing that sort of thing. Um, and if I, it's just as much energy to do that as it is to like drive 18 hours to Idaho to do a one nighter. And that doesn't help anybody else unless I take a comic with me to Mm -hmm. be miserable too. Uh, so it's nice to do it in the city and like, kind of like empower other people. It's really cool here. I mean, you know, I'm a, booker of this comedy club but i'm still a performer and a writer and um so i understand it is like sometimes i'm like i'm like oh jamie the, the booker the comedy buyer mm-hmm. um you know when you want people to see you as the more art- artistic side yeah so that can be challenging and but i'm glad you're talking about it because you know i think you know and i work with outside producers and promoters all the time and you know there are some you know that are more talented than others yeah but i don't think it automatically precludes you from being good at both yeah it's 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 a uh, it's definitely a different different type of brain. Like it, 
it's easier to just show up and do a show than it is to like make sure that show's set up to do well. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll go to, to a venue an hour or two early, squelch all the seats around to get like that extra inch or so for everyone to be comfortable. I'll get the lighting just right. I'll get the music just right. Just because if you do that shit, then the comics will have a good time. Then the crowd will have a good time. It all just kind of feeds in. Did it take you, I mean, that's all stuff that I relate to completely. Um, but I look at the few, first few years that I was producing shows and, and I didn't know all that. Mm. Like, and you're younger, like, did, is that stuff that you just kind of inherently knew or did it take some time and some, some uh, weird shows? To it get took to some, it definitely took some time and some weird shows. Uh, a lot of failing, you know, like the first, I was just, at first I was just like, anywhere that will let me do a show, I'll do a show here. Like, let's go. Okay. You got a mic. Cool. Um, but then you learn like, oh, it, it's kind of better if it's a separate room. So you're not putting off their regular clients and like, uh, it's definitely better if there's lighting and uh, you need a decent sound or there's sound bleed from downstairs or like uh, there's a lot of wasted space. Like people are standing in the back and no one's sitting in the front. So like have the front seats have be the only ones with tables. So if people want to sit down with the table, they'll sit close mm-hmm. and then everyone's it was like little shit like that matters. But if you just kind of like, there are a lot of people just show up at a venue and just like, okay, they just kind of assume the bar is going to do shit. The bar assumes they're going to do shit and like no one does anything. And then the show's just kind of like awkward. Yeah, we've all to been be to those shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. It is a, sometimes it does get a weird position where like, like I had the, like I'm, uh, the deadlines for the comedy festival closed last week. So like all the judges like finished stuff. So I've been slowly going through and notifying people. And it's most county festivals, you just get the blanket like, hey, we had a lot of submissions. You didn't make it this year. Thanks for submitting. Try again next year. And that's just, they just BCC everyone who didn't get in all at once. But part of the submission thing is you can pick if you want feedback or don't want feedback. And if you want feedback, I ask the judges to give like a letter grade plus or minus and then something the comic did well and then something they can work on. And then I won't send them the grade part, but I'll send them the other things. Um, but just because most kind of festivals, you don't get any response and you don't know, like a lot of people's clips are just garbage. Like your audio is bad or the camera's shaky, like things you can fix. Um, and I have comedy fans watch them and judge it instead of me. Cause I don't want to be in a weird position to like, you know, give someone preferential treatment right. or whatever, what have you. But someone, some young comic from Cleveland, who's a kind of in and out of it, whatever. He had a kid. He's still kind of hobbyist, whatever. But, you know, I sent him his thing. And then, like, an hour or so after that, I got an email from him. Like, hey, uh, I think it's kind of weird that you guys, like, overly judge this four-year-old clip from an open mic. At the, I'm like, well, you sent that clip. Like, I didn't I didn't tell you to send a four-year-old clip in. Right. Like, you you did that. And, like, they're judging. The, that's all they're watching. Like, they have no con. Like, the judges may or may not know you. Sure. So, like, you sent in a clip you're not happy with and you're mad they judged the clip you sent in. So, it's, like, a weird position to be in, like, like I want to I keep it, like, super. I, I posted on Facebook, but, like, not with his info. But just, like, this is, like, maybe send a clip here. You should have a re- recent clip. Like, even there's great com- – like, I bust Ryan Dalton's balls mm-hmm. all the time. He's a great comic. He's one of my role models in Cleveland on how to be, like, a professional comic. And now he lives out here. He's one of the comedians you should know. But like when I, I wrote a piece, when I got the half hour of like my mentors and people who kind of were inspirations and he was one of them and I was looking for clips for everyone like to include a clip and his newest clip was like three, four years old. 
and I was like, hey, do you have a new clip? He's like, ah, fuck you. I was like, no, seriously, like, not a huge deal, but like, you should have something newer. Like, it's funny, but like, something newer would be probably better. And like, I legitimately, like, once I personally like invested in a Squarespace, so like, it looks good when you look me up online, and then made sure my clips, like, my dad bought me an iPhone. I taped my half hour submission with my phone and edited it on my phone. And then, I'll make a point to like just get a recording uh, every few months if I'm in New York or if I'm in LA or if I'm in Chicago or wherever just to get a decent new clip up and that I've noticed a traction thing like once I started doing that then I started getting more work and even now I still don't get a ton of work but it's been easier no I mean it, it is a huge deal I think if, if that's who you are if you're trying to make it as a comic having a recent clip and like that is your resume mm-hmm. and every day of the week, you know, I'm getting submissions and, and you know, from even from agents and managers like, Hey, can you check out this person? And I, you know, then I have to go to Google. Yeah. And, and it's like, YouTube send me a up. clip, send me the link. Well, exactly. a, yeah, Send me a clip if you can. But also if I do some research, I'm going to go to your Twitter page. I'm going to go to your, your personal website. And if it's outdated, if it's like, you know, that's it, like, I'll sometimes click out without even finding a clip yeah and then like so many comics like they have their website but nothing on their dates Mm -hmm. or like my 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 one of my biggest pet peeves is when i'll feature for someone and i'll go to their website and they don't have any new dates for like three years it's Mm -hmm. like three-year-old dates and like it's all like cruise ships and shit i'm like why is this club working them right uh but yeah it's and i don't know if it's because i'm have both sides of the brain and I'm producing and doing things. So I'm not like, Oh, well, these are things as a producer that are helpful for me, making it easy to find your clip, make it easy to find your website, mm-hmm. send me all your info. B don't send me a eight page email, but just say, Hey, this is who I am. Here's my clip. This is when I'll be there. You know, if you need vouchers, here's who would vouch for me. And it's like, Oh, okay. Most of the time I like the shows I do like around Cleveland, like week to week, it's like, I don't give a fuck. Like I just hold extra spots. If people are coming from out of town, but like if it's something bigger, like having all that shit just helps helps Yeah, make it easy to find. Yeah. And that's a good template right there. It's like, here's who I am, quick sentence or two. Uh clip, obviously. I think the references thing is, is always helpful. Yeah. And here's the exact dates. Mm-hmm. Like so set yourself up for success. Yeah. And then I'll always like when I send them like, you know, I know it might be booked this far out. So if there's any short spots, because like to get a spot on a show, you know here or, or anywhere any of the indie shows or alt shows that's like a 10 15 minute spot if i don't know you for 10 15 minute spot like mm, right. but like five yeah you can have five that's not a big deal your clip's funny oh you, these people vouch for you all right fine but like so just ask for less yeah and then maybe they'll give you more show but some like, humility yes um that's one that, thing that's yeah. in very small supply in comedy for some reason you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, you seem like you have, I mean, you're, it's no uh, question why you're, you're, you're getting to where you want to go. Cause, um, you got, you got a good head on your shoulders, kid. Um, <laughs> but, um, I think, um, you were saying like, it, and I recommend all comedians we've talked about on past episodes, but produce a show mm-hmm. it, you need to have to, an understanding of how everyone else works. You know, I didn't really understand this industry until I started working at this club five years ago. But if you're a young comic, try to understand how the how the industry works from the agents and the managers and the producers and what they're looking for. And that's why with this podcast yeah. is in part. And I've here. been, I've been getting like good advice from a couple of people. Like one of my buddies was telling me like with managers and agents and like 
difference, whatever. He says like your manager needs to like love you and you have to love your manager. Mm -hmm. Like almost like it needs to be like a marriage. He's like, but agents, it's like, let's get this money, be fuck buddies type of shit. Like you can change (laughs) those with the every day if you want to, you know what I'm saying? But like a manager ideally is like a long-term commitment. So it's like, uh, I'm going to wind up going with the ones who've been like personal with me and like come and talk to me and come to shows and like just kind of hung out versus the people who've kind of just cold called me and are like, so when are you leaving Cleveland? It's like, oh, well, if you did any research, you would know how much I love Cleveland and that wouldn't be like the first thing you said to me, you know, Um, but it's just kind of, you know, it's a weird thing where like, yeah, it's great to have a manager agent, uh, but like, I say I kept more of my money for my special, you know, I don't, you don't get a ton of money, but I got to keep it. Um, I got to use that to fly my family down, which was cool. And then like, um, a lot of times when I'll go to auditions, I'll have gotten the materials like when they sent me the date, Mm -hmm. but a lot of like, I'll be there. And then like people's agents are just sending them the materials as they're getting there because like they sent them the date but didn't forward the whole packet so like little shit like that it's like sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse like i don't know um but i definitely feel like the longer you wait before you get one the better off you'll be because you have options like you definitely don't For want sure. there's no sense in have you know if i'd signed with someone like two years ago I wouldn't have had done, I wouldn't have had anything that they can kind of sell me on. Uh, they wouldn't have really probably worked hard for me and I would have had a manager or agent, but they, nothing would have happened. And then I would have just been. Yeah. And you need that, that perspective. I think especially young comics, you, you know, your ego is like, you want an agent and a manager. So you, just so you can say you have one, but yeah. now having seen, you know, dozens and more comics be like, I've had this manager for four years and they haven't done anything. And then, of course, like you said, that there's the ones that are like that marriages, and you want someone that understands mm-hmm. and loves your comedy, yeah, and wants to support you and will go to bat for you. And I think the the thing to take away from that is that sometimes it's more important to do the good work than just put your energy towards just looking for representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, even when you have representation, you still have to do shit. And I, a good piece of advice I got from I was just talking to this dude at the bar, and he was asking me like, "What do I want to do?" And I was like. You know, I'm happy, like happiness for me is like doing comedy every day, making enough to pay my bills and not die. Like, that's all I want. I'm happy in Cleveland. And uh, I was like, I'll do anything, but whatever. And he was like, oh, he's like, he's like, just so you know, he's like, when you talk to managers, agents, you want to shoot for the stars. Because when you say just comedy, comedians don't make any money. Like just touring comics, unless you're huge, you don't make enough money for it to be worthwhile for them to do shit. But if you're like, oh, I want to write, I want to do this, I want to do that, they're like, oh, he can become a little industry. And then they're like, oh, we can see you making money. So then they're like, oh, money spending, whatever. Um, But you still have to be willing to go do work. Like they're not going to, they can't manufacture something out of nothing. Like it's kind of like you, from what I've experienced is like you, they come around when you don't necessarily need them, but then they are able to keep, the work flowing and free your mental energy up to do like other things. Right. You know? And so you, when you came in earlier, you were talking about a cool opportunity that came about here at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, very like just very randomly. Like I, uh, I got picked as a comic to watch last year by County central. And I met the co-creator of midnight. And then, uh, I told, told him I was in town and he invited me to a taping. 
So I went to the taping. One of the managers I was uh, that I'm talking to was like, oh, cool, I'll meet you down there. So she came. And then when I met the booker, she was next to me. And then separately of that, I went, I did the Sklar Brothers podcast, and uh, which was cool. I'd met them in the past, and it was like right after the championship, so it was like very fortuitous timing. Um, and then they just reached out to me and were like, hey, we're working on this project. Uh, if you're available, to, uh, we'll interview at the improv, and then you can do a short set on the main stage. So I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's, that's dope. Um, so I came and did that. And then I was, it was supposed to go like Nate Fritzen and then me and then like the regular show. Mm-hmm. But Nate was up and then uh, Elijah Schlesinger had to go up earlier. So I got bumped back a little bit. And then Daniel Tosh dropped in. So I had to go up after yeah. Daniel Tosh before Chris Hardwick. Uh, and I was thinking like, oh, Hardwick's going to bump me back and I'll just keep going further and further. But he just was cool and just let me go up and watch. And he came up to me and asked me, he's like, you were really funny. He was like, I'm going to tell my booker about you. Like, we got to get you on the show. So I was like, oh, cool. Uh, and then, uh, the booker reached out to the manager that was standing next to me when I went to watch the taping. And so I got a date for midnight in July, That's which is right. cool. So it's not like literally like wasn't the manager doing it or else I would have gotten a date like right after that I went. Uh, but it was just cool connections that kind of, I made the Scalar brothers I met in Cleveland and like just kind of kept touch with. Yeah. All then, these different worlds coming together. And yeah. Just, again, like just putting yourself out there and the more people you meet, the more opportunities that it's going to create for yourself yeah and then also just being chill like that's yeah. the other thing like i never really i don't i'm not afraid to ask for things but i don't i'm not like hey scholars let me do like what can you do for me like i just right. was like oh hey guys i'm in town they're like oh cool we got heavy on the show and then like it just kind of flowed from there yeah knowing when to ask how to ask mm-hmm. and um and just being cool so the comedy central taping that happened a month ago yeah in new orleans yes you know for someone that has no idea including me like what what does that look like um i actually did a little like docu-series leading up to the special called gentle hustle like so people can look it up on youtube but the last the episode 10 is like all new orleans so like you get to see like the production stuff and shit but it's just like uh, i taped on friday uh i got in on wednesday and then i just watched as many tapings as i could and then like my family came in so it was a weird mix of like spending time with my family trying to not do anything so i'd be mentally relaxed and then like doing production stuff um and then like i knew a fair amount of the people who were recording them so like i got to hang out and watch my friends and just kind of bullshit um and being being there and watching other people was great because i saw how they used or didn't use the stage and that informed what i wanted to do so like I know cause I normally just kind of stand still on stage, but I saw how that read with a couple of the people and I was like, ah, I don't like that. It looks kind of, I don't want it to look like that when I'm up there. So like I made a conscious effort to like move, use the front of the stage and like move a little bit. And like one of the, this camera woman, she's like, I've worked on these for a while. She's like, your set was great. She was like, it's going to sound weird, but you're like a Panther on stage. And I was like, Oh shit. Hell yeah. That's exactly kind of what I was going for. I was hoping that you were going to say you got a flying harness. Oh, yeah. You could be the first flying harness comic. <laughs> <laughs> Ideas. Yeah. Um, well, that's really cool to, 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 to even grow and try something new when you're taping for Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, and then like I went, you know, I went down there like knowing what I was going to do. Like I talked about like my family was the first chunk of my act and I went through. And then like I don't work in like a set list type of form like i'm like i know my jokes and like i kind of just flow with the crowd 
but like i was like can i just have a timer instead of a set list like for the teleprompter and they're like no but you can have time cue so like i asked for like a 15 minute and then an 18 minute and then 22 and then 25 just so that like when i ran through my family stuff it was at 15 so i'm like okay and then i did a little burst about being poor and then 18 and then like at that point, there was a bit that I'd been working on about, like, the Cleveland Police Department through, like, Republicans and then, like, a whole kind of political chunk. And in my original submission, that wasn't in there, but it was something new I was working on and, like, trying to, like, I would I was hoping to say something relevant on the special. Um, so I went down to Atlanta to specifically work on that bit and make, get it working not in Cleveland, and it's a touchy subject, so, like, blah, 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 blah. And then I sent it for vetting and they're like, well, we don't know if it'll get approved, but you can do it for the room. So I'm like, okay. And it's about a, about a six, seven minute chunk. So I was like, okay, I could do it for the room. And then I know it, the special gets edited down to 22 minutes when it re-airs. So I did 2930 knowing they would edit that seven out. So like I almost pre-edited what they were going to do. Um, just because that was one of the, like the big things other comics were telling me like, just do 22. Cause they're going to edit the fuck out of it and fuck your jokes up or like, just do 25, just do this. So like, that was like a thing that was on my mind. And then mm-hmm. also like, you want to put your best foot forward, but you also don't like, if the special is like a trailer for coming to see me live, like in the sense of a movie trailer, I don't want it to be one of those ones where like all the funniest parts were in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then like you go see it live and you're like, Oh, I already saw all of this. All right. So it was like a weird, like, I want to do my best, but I also want to save enough for when I go on tour. Like, it shows that there's more to me than that. Um, so you, was, like, what are the rule, like parameters that you're dealing with? Like, can you go, can you do an hour if you wanted? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can do as much as you want, but then Comedy Central has the right to edit that material however they see fit. Right. So it just would fuck, like, a few years ago, I think, I think it's Michael Che did like 40 some minutes. And then when you watch his edited down to 22, it's just kind of like jumps around mm-hmm. weirdly. And it's not bad, but it's just like turning, taking something from 40 some minutes to 22, you're going to lose like a lot of the essence of it. Um, so yeah, it was a definitely like, and then the advice I got leading up to it, like Dan Soder was like, don't run the set into the ground. Like keep doing new stuff. You know, the material just kind of have fun. And then TJ Miller, uh, I got to open for him and he told me like, He's like, just have fun. Like, you know, the material don't worry. Like, it sounds like you want it to be sociological or whatever. He's like, just don't worry about that. Just have fun. He's like, because like nothing's going to come of this. Like whatever happens in your comedy career will be because of your comedy, not because of this special. And just, so just have fun. So I was like, what? And did you have fun? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Like, and it was like kind of in the moment, like I kind of couldn't like, I wasn't nervous for the special. Like the production people were like, you're real calm. I was like, yeah, I was more nervous for afterwards. Like who's my dad going to try to have sex with at this after party. Uh, and I was just worried that he was going to like hit on an executive. Now let's, let's dial in on this. Yes. Your dad has a proclivity for, for, for- the ladies. Uh, yeah. Um, and you live with them. So what's, what's, what's going on there? Um, it's, uh, it's not bad. He's toned down. Like, I remember when I was in like high school, him and my mom were like getting divorced uh, and he had like eight different girlfriends and just like constant juggling. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then like, 
I don't know. It the, him being like that definitely affected me. But like, because I, I was a virgin until I was twenty six, so it's just like real slow to get in the game. And then like now, as much as I try to not be like him, uh, I wind up all accidentally almost being like him. But I'm not as successful <laughs> as successful. So uh, you have the accidental uh, festival. Yeah, and your and, accidental sex life. Yes, uh, the well, the accidental sex life is like I'm good at getting women to be attracted to me, but I'm bad at getting them to have sex with me, <laughs> uh, which is a terrible combination. Uh, but like, I don't know, women just like being around me and want to be my friend, and I'm like, maybe I have if you change the tactic of getting them to try to have sex with you, mm. to just being a smooth, be smooth cool dude. as fuck, and yeah, and then no just expectation. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe but, TJ uh, Miller's advice can work in for sex too. yeah i've been trying like it's funny because like i was aimless and then i found comedy and that's kind of been where i found myself and com like any confidence i have in my personal life is because of what I, i'm i'm doing what i love doing so that's like the key. that's the key and i feel like women are attracted to that because they see that and they're like "Ooh, maybe i can try to stop him uh maybe i can maybe <laughs> he'll pay that much attention to me uh and it's a slow battle but, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, man. It's I don't know. I'm real focused on comedy, so like that's that stuff will figure itself out. So, do you have like a thing with your dad where like there's a sock on the door? No, we just I'm I try to, to score. I try to I try to do my business elsewhere, uh, and then uh, I try to just not. I'm only home like at night when I'm sleeping, or like during the day when he's at work. So it's like not not too much overlap. Um. So what um. So I mean, this has been great to chat with you. Like what um. Uh, when are you moving to LA? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm patient. So like, um, the, the managers that I may be signing with like this, I'm like, if you want me to live in LA, you need to find me $2,000 a month to live here. Cause like, I don't have that. If you find some way for me to generate that, I will move. But like, I, in my mind, I would like to get debt free before I move. I have like less than $10,000 in student loans, which is pretty manageable. Yep. Um, but I want to ha knock that out before I move to one of the most expensive places in the country in New York or LA and Smart. do that. Um, just because like, you know, I don't have the luxury of being like, Hey mom, dad, I can't like, I can't make rent this month. Like, like all right, well, neither can we. Right. <laughs> you know? So like, um, I'm just patient. Like, uh, Cleveland's a great place to fail anonymously. Like I, I I miss it. Like I was real homesick uh, the last week when they won the championship and I'm seeing all these people in the streets that I ride around on my bike by myself all the time. And I'm like, I want to be there. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm chill. Like I'll, I'll come out here. I'll go through any doors that open, but like I, I ideally I'd like to kind of be uh vagabondy and like, cause it's a weird position where like, I've been doing more writing packages. I've been doing more of that type of thing. So maybe something catches and I move to New York or LA or the half hour premieres. And then I start touring more and then I'm working the road two to four times a weekends a month. And then it doesn't make sense to pay rent in New York or LA all if right. I'm gone all that time. So like if I work the road more then it's just spend my downtime in New York or LA. And if it's working on a show of some sort, then it's just like, okay, now I'm here and then figure out how to still do comedy while doing that other thing. Cause it's interesting. Like, uh, every meeting I've gone into, they're like, Oh cool. You do comedy. Cool. So like, have you done sketch? Have you done acting? Have you done this? And I'm like, Oh no, I will. And, but they're not comfortable. Cause it's like, well, we don't know if you can take direction. We don't know if you can go off script. We don't know if you can do this. You know that. So it's like, I always tell 
comics in other cities i'm like do like write some shit and like go do a play like go do like you could knock all that shit out in advance and then just they'll be like oh okay cool so then they're just fine with you doing things um um i need to be a better liar uh but i'm just like too honest you know honesty and authenticity is key and um well, thank you for joining me. I can't no wait problem, to man. continue to watch your career flourish. Thanks, man. And um, I'm going to wrap up the show, as I always do, with some inspirational thoughts that I have not memorized. All right. And I'm going to take you through it. I'm just going to kind of filibuster and talk until right. I'm able to bring up the Word document in which it exists. And in the meantime, if there's funny things you want to be saying as well. Um, yeah, I just want to plug my comedy festival. Accidental Comedy Fest is August 26th through 28th. Uh, it's going to be super fun. Uh, this is the fifth year of it. I run out the whole Cleveland hostel. So artists have somewhere to stay. So it's like a real summer campy vibe. The shows are at an old hipster bowling alley, which has cool chicken. I get a taco truck to pull up. Um, this year I have some musical guests, comics, podcasts. Um, so uh, I've been crushing like the experience portion of it and just hoping like the industry side maybe decides to come and i've already got like someone from william morris is going to come out i'm trying to confirm some county central people just to come experience the city and That's check awesome. some comedy out you know? and do you think lebron or um i was real close to getting crazy bone from bone thugs to come last year uh but it just fell through but uh i would yeah it would be dope i've done some shows at like hilarities for like some indians players and shit but no no calves yet all right well i think this is the this year. this this is the year we connect i feel I it, it. Well, Ramon, I'm going to remind everyone to work on your craft endlessly. Mm. Be a professional. Mm. Uh, be undeniable. Mm. And be cool as fuck always. Yeah. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com and at jamieflam on Twitter. A very special thanks to the Sideshow Network, The Hollywood Improv, Andrew Steven, Sean Merrick, Roddy Swearingen, and producer Buddy Peace for the awesome music at the top and end of this episode. And be sure to check out hollywood.improv.com for updates on great new shows coming up in the main room and the lab. How he is eschewed, eschewed, eschewed traditional means of...